morning. Welcome back to Alger Assembly of God. Welcome back to our study, our series entitled New Year Revolutions. It is still the new year. It is still 2022. It still feels a little weird. We said that last week, 2022 feels weird, but it's here. And it's been here for over, hard to believe, over two weeks already. So 2022 is here. Last week, we talked about resolutions. Many people make resolutions. We found out about half of America does. And apparently none of them are a, a part of this church because nobody was raising their hands last week to say they did resolutions. Maybe, maybe I, I got to thinking about that later, is people didn't want to raise their hands because maybe they've broken a whole bunch of them. It's probably our experience. At some time, at some time in our life, I'm sure we have made some resolutions. We've said, I commit to do this. We gave you the top 10 list of most popular resolutions last week, and chances are you've attempted some of those throughout your time and throughout your, your life. Last week, we looked at Philippians chapter 3. One of the verses was verse 13. Paul wrote, brothers and sisters... I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead. Last week, if you remember, the challenge was don't live in the past. Paul said, forgetting what is behind. So we, we saw there's a number of things not to be a part of our past. Today, we're going to be challenged to have some purpose in our present, as Paul says, this one thing I do. That's positive. That's encouraging. He says, it's one thing I will do. It's not one thing I will get around to. It's not one thing I'll think about. You've heard the phrase, when I get around to it. How many of you have ever seen an actual round to it? I've seen some of those. Some people have made them out of metal. They made them out of wood. They made them out of plastic. It's like a, a big coin, maybe about the size of a silver dollar, and it just simply says, to it. T-O-I-T, or some people say T-U-I-T. And so when someone says the phrase, you know, when I get around to it, they'll reach in their pocket, and they'll pull one ounces here. I've got a round to it. Get at it. Some of us need to have a round to it. This wasn't Paul saying, well, when I get around to it. He wasn't saying, I will or I will think about it. Paul said this one thing I do. Paul was talking about what was he doing right now? What's, what's he doing in the present? Living and moving and acting here in the present. You want, you want to know what the busiest day of the year is? Some people might say Christmas. Christmas might have been busy. Uh, the day before a vacation, that's often busy, right? How many of you have like the to-do list? The day before you're going to leave somewhere, or maybe the day before school, the day before something, and you've got all this massive list of things to do before. None of those are really the busiest day. The busiest day of the year is someday. How many times have you said, well, someday or one day I'll get to it? You know, eventually I'll get around to it. Someday is going to be awful busy when we get to someday. 
Paul, he's the, the author here as we're reading about Philippians, he's an example of living life to the fullest as if it were his last day. He was imprisoned in Rome, but he just didn't sit there resting and feasting on incredible jail food. He was thinking and writing, writing letters to churches, singing praises to the Lord. He'd even converted some of the individuals who was watching over him in prison, living each day to the fullest. You look at the scripture in Psalm 119. The psalmist said, I hastened and did not delay to keep your commandments. Not delaying. Living the present, taking care of business. So having a purpose in our present is important. You and I need a purpose. Isn't it important to know why? Many, many times people say, would you help me out with this? And sometimes your first reason is why. You just want to know the purpose. Doesn't that help you out a little bit more if you know the reason why? Sometimes when we don't know the why, we struggle to do the what. So we need purpose. In greyhound racing, there is a purpose. Dogs are trained to chase a mechanical fur rabbit that goes along the track in front of them. You ever seen that? Sometimes it's, it's on television. And uh, th this little rabbit, it's kind of, it, it's on a track, and it just, it goes automatically around the track, and the dogs race from their chute, and they race after this mechanical rabbit. Now, the speed of the rabbit, it's controlled by a man in the press box, and the goal is to keep that rabbit just barely in front of the dogs to keep them shooting for and aiming for the rabbit. That's the purpose, is to try to catch the rabbit, right? Now, one time in Florida, everyone is ready for the big greyhound race. The starting gun went off. The man in the press box pushed the lever. The cages opened, and the greyhound dogs took off. They were ready. They had a purpose, right? But just as the rabbit went around the first bend, unfortunately, an electrical short caused the rabbit to stop, explode, and burst into flames. No longer having a rabbit to chase, apparently no purpose to the race, the dogs had no idea what to do. Some of them laid down on the track. Two of them ran into a wall and broke some ribs. One simply chased his tail in a circle, and others looked up at and howled at spectators. Not a single dog finished the race. There was a lack of purpose. Now, Hopefully you and I don't need this mechanical rabbit that we're chasing day after day after day, but it helped to have some purpose for our present. What are we doing? What are we shooting for? What are we aiming for? Paul says this one thing I do, he's living in the present for the Lord. We're going to take a look at a handful of things. Last week, we looked at verses 12, 13, and 14. We're going to back up a little bit here in the book of Philippians chapter 3. So let's turn once again, Philippians chapter 3, we'll begin in verse 7. Paul writes this, But whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them garbage that I may gain Christ and be found in him. 
not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. I want to know Christ. Yes, to know the power of his resurrection and participation in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, and so somehow attaining to the resurrection from the dead. As we read last week, verse 12, not that I have already obtained all this or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. The encouragement last week, don't live in the past. The encouragement and challenge this week is to have purpose in your present. How do we do that? What are some ways to have purpose in the present life that God's called us to? First of all, I challenge us to examine our desires. Examine our desires. Verse 8, Paul said, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. In comparison to Jesus, everything else is a loss. So let me ask you and myself, What is it that you want, seek, or desire above everything else? Maybe you've had a wish list. You know, it's not that far, uh, uh, not long ago we were having Christmas. What's it been now, three weeks already? My, how time flies. Maybe you had a Christmas list. How many of you make a Christmas list? You know, we've got kids or grandkids. When, the, when they're little, you kind of just go up and down the aisles of the store. I'm sure they'll like this. I'm sure they'll like this. Here's another toy. Here's another dolly. As you get a little bit older, say, hey, what are some things that you're thinking about? And we've been doing this with our girls for a number of years and kind of uh, making some uh, or asking them to make some Christmas wish lists. We maybe are a little, little odd. We ask for ours, you know, in advance a little bit. We hear from some of our girls, some of, the, uh, some of their other parents are like, uh, yeah, I think so-and-so's parents just started shopping for their Christmas gifts, and it's like five days before Christmas. We ask for lists, you know, maybe at least a couple months in advance, and, and so knowing that we've done this, uh, I think, I'm, I'm not sure, but I think they might even keep like a little file throughout the year. So if they come across something that they like, they like jot it down. And then over the course of the year, you know, kind of see what might be some things that they want to put on that list. They get a list and, and then kind of look and see what are some things that we'd like to do for them or what are some of the things that we think we could do for them. And so we kind of begin piecing some of those together. We'll remove that from the list and then send the list on to some other family members, right? The goal is to, to try to accomplish hopefully a whole bunch of the things on the list. Maybe you and I have got a, a wish list. It's, it's a list for Christmas. It's a list for birthday. It's a, boy, I would hope to do this. If I only had a new this, if I only had a better that, if I could only go here, if I could only do that. We've got all kinds of lists, all kinds of desires. Maybe to have that new outfit, that new piece of technology, maybe to have something new or newer, home, vehicle, vacation. What are our desires? What are our wants? What's interesting, Paul says, we've got to examine our desires. I'm looking at everything else in life, and Paul says, I consider it all a loss in comparison to knowing Jesus Christ. Examine the desires that we have. What really matters? 
Listen, some great gifts, birthday, Christmas, new this, newer that, all of those are good and great things. And maybe you got some of those things. Maybe you received some of the things off of your list for Christmas or for a birthday or etc. But in comparison to Jesus Christ, knowing him, have a living relationship with Jesus Christ, how important are all these other things? You know, sometimes we, we get kind of the reality when something happens to a child or to a, a grandchild, the, you know, the fragility of life, you're thinking, man, at least they are safe, right? There's an accident or something happens and everything that seemed important, all the stuff of life, maybe is not as important as the child or as the grandchild. Paul's saying, all the stuff of life does not compare to Jesus Christ. I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing him, my Lord. It's a loss. It's rubbish. It's garbage in comparison. doesn't mean that all these other things that we like and love are bad. But in comparison to Jesus, they don't hold a candle to him. The question is, what is our ultimate desire? Is it to be like Christ, or is it to accumulate more and more stuff? Paul's encouraging us right here in the present to examine our desires and make sure that Jesus Christ is first and foremost. In the long run of eternity, what's most important our outfits, our vehicle, our place of residence, or relationship with Jesus. He's saying, in comparison to everything else, I'm focusing right here, right now in the present on Jesus Christ. How many of you know that can be a challenge? To focus on Jesus and to focus on the eternity spent with Jesus rather than the immediate gratifications of what feels good to do or to have. I came across this story. Uh, Jeff Ferreira of Waukegan, Illinois. He was reconciling his checkbook. Many of you do that maybe every month. You get, you get your checkbook, you get your, uh, uh, your, your bank statement, and, and go to make sure that your account is good, whether you're using online banking or, or physical paper checks. But he was reconciling his bank account, and he called First National Bank of Chicago to get his current balance. The electronic voice on the other end of the phone said, your primary checking account currently has a balance of, and you know, the little computer voice, it said... $924,844,204.32. How many of you would have just about had a heart attack if you heard that on the other end of the phone line? See, Jeff was one of actually over 800 other customers who were almost billionaires <laughs> for a day. Can you imagine being an almost billionaire for a day? It was the biggest error in the history of U.S. banking. This blunder amounted to about $764 billion, with a B, dollars, more than six times the assets that that bank actually had. 
It had a lot of people saying in jest to simply transfer it to the Cayman Islands and make a run for it, Jeff said. But like most others, he simply reported the error to bank officials who would only say that it was a computer programming error. Can you imagine if somebody listened to that or checked out their bank account online or maybe on their digital banking or they go up to the bank and they, they hear this or see this and they start making decisions as if that were true? Can you imagine what kind of a spending spree you could go on with, uh, what, $924 million? Can you imagine if you began making decisions as if that were true? How silly would it have been to place confidence in this new wealth? The new wealth was extremely temporary, right? Because it was a mistake. And yet, that's what so many of us do. We make plans on something that ends up being uncertain, we start reaching for the temporary, investing in the temporary. Our desires are for all the stuff of the temporary rather than thinking about the eternal, which is a life and a relationship with Jesus Christ. Paul encourages us to examine our desires. And really, we can examine our desires in light of eternity. There are a lot of good things that are out there. And maybe you've got a lot of good things on your wish list. Maybe, maybe you've received some of the things on your wish list. Those are probably beneficial in the here and now, right? They help us. They benefit us. We enjoy them. But in light of eternity, in light of living for Jesus Christ, what is important? Paul's encouraging us to examine our desires. Begin to think about and live for the eternal rather than settling for the temporary. Rather than settling for what just makes us feel good here and now. Paul's not discounting and saying nothing else could we have, but he's saying I consider it all a loss in comparison to the surpassing, uh, surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. What are your desires? What's at the very deepest root of your heart that you're saying, this is what I want more than anything else? The beginning of the year is, as part of this New Year revolution, begin thinking and contemplating and examine the desires and make sure Christ is number one. So as we have purpose in our present, we examine the desires of our heart. Secondly, the challenge is to recognize our shortcomings. In the next couple of verses here in, in chapter 3, Paul says, I want to know Christ. Again, that's, he's examining his heart, his desire. I want to know Christ. And he says, somehow to attain to the resurrection from the dead. He says, I've not already gotten it. I've not obtained it. I've not arrived at my goal. I'm not there yet. There are some shortcomings. This can be a little bit of a reality check for you and I. Because how many of you would agree that we're not there yet? 
Hopefully, God, you know, God is working on us, and we've been growing and allowing him to shape and to make and to mold us, and, and we're a little farther along in our walk and relationship than where we were in the past, but he's still working on us. That old song years and years ago, I'm not sure if I heard it in, in kids' church or in church church, but what's the, he's still working on me to make me what I ought to be. It took him just a week to make the moon and stars, sun and the earth and Jupiter and Mars, I think it goes like that, how loving and patient he must be, for he's still working on me. Turn to the person next to you, or look at the person across the sanctuary, and with a nice, friendly smile, say, he's still working on me. He's still working on me. And with a smile, genuine smile still intact, keep looking at the other person and saying, and you know what? He's still working on you. God is working on us. We've got to understand and recognize our shortcomings. You ever been the person or around the person who knows it all and are never wrong, and you know what? They don't need to grow. That's a challenge sometimes. Now, depending on what the topic is, sometimes we do feel pretty confident about things. But here's Paul, who we know was Saul, and you know he had that life before Christ where he was hunting down Christians, had a transformation by Jesus Christ, and now Paul is living and teaching and preaching. He's writing books of the Bible, and he's the one saying, as he's written so many books of our New Testament, I want to know Jesus Christ and somehow to attain to the resurrection from the dead. Paul says, I've not achieved it all. I'm not there yet. I'm growing. No matter where we might be in our walk with Christ, whether you're a brand new Christian, whether you're someone that has known Jesus Christ, maybe a month, a year, a handful of years, or maybe whether you are a Christian who's known Jesus Christ for decades, understand we're not there yet. Recognize the shortcomings. We're still learning, we're still growing. Hopefully, learning and growing each and every day, each and every year. At the beginning of this year, in this New Year revolution, it's a great time to maybe reflect on the past year. How have you and I done in our spiritual walk? We mentioned about a lot of different resolutions people make, and sometimes it's related to health, physical and, and financial fitness, relationships. None of the spiritual resolutions made the top 10 most popular. We, we challenged you with a handful of those. Whether that's reading God's word or praying or uh, attending in church or giving or getting involved in ministry, all those kinds of things. But think back to the past year. How has God grown? What has he done in you that has allowed you to grow over the process of this past year? Paul's saying... We're recognizing our shortcomings. I'm still learning. I'm still growing. I'm not there yet. I want to keep reading in God's word. I want to keep spending some time in prayer. I want to continue to get to know him even better. As he says, I want to know Christ. 
If you're married, the goal is to continue to know that spouse more and more. You've got kids, you've got grandkids, you're getting to know them even more. No doubt you know a lot about each other. And you know some of those funny moments. You, you know some of those hysterical things that happen at home that we don't always tell other people. Well, sometimes they come out. You and I know all of that stuff, and, and we know that we're a work in progress. Paul's reminding us. I'm a work in progress. He's saying, so are you. As we begin this brand new year and having a purpose in our present, it means, first of all, examine the desires of your heart. Make sure that Christ is number one. Secondly, he challenges us to recognize the shortcomings. God's still working on you. He's still working on me. Allow him to shape. Allow him to mold. Allow him to, to kind of sand off some of those rough edges. Anybody admit to having a, a, a few rough edges here or there? A couple honest people. The rest of you, maybe we need some more sandpaper on us. I'd venture to say we've all got some areas that we can grow in. And little by little, sometimes uh, you look at different kinds of sandpaper. If you've done uh, different works, there's the, the real rough sandpaper where the little grit on that is farther apart. And, and if you were to, to take that, that sandpaper on, on wood, it would really, really take the wood off. And then there's the real fine. It's not quite as rough. And you've really got to work with that sandpaper just to get a little bit of the wood off. It's the, the fine tune, the fine touch, the fine detail. Whether it's rough sandpaper or fine sandpaper, understand we're all probably a work in progress that need to be sanded and developed and grown. So we say, God, I recognize my shortcomings. Help me, grow me, develop me, not just this day, not just this week, but this year. I want you to, to shape and mold me. I've got a teachable heart. So Paul challenges us, examine the desires of our heart, recognize our shortcomings, Finally, he encourages us <clears throat> to hold on to the unchangeable. Hold on to the unchangeable. At the end of verse 12, as, as we hit that verse again, Paul says, I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. He's holding on to Jesus Christ as Jesus Christ has held on to him. I got a good question for you. How many of you love to experience change? Not, wow, exactly. Not one hand in the air. Just for the record, those watching or listening on, online, not one hand in the air. We don't love change, but how many of you know change happens, whether we like it or not? What's the one thing that they say? The only thing that stays the same in life is change. That's what stays the same, is that things don't stay the same. It always changes. I mean, life changes. You're born, you're this tiny little baby, and, and that aspect of life changes to become a, a little toddler. Now, now you're on the move with your two little legs running around. As a child, to a teen, to a young adult, to an adult, many times into marriage, and then with kids of your own, and then grandkids, perhaps. Life continues to change. 
Now, sometimes looking back at one year, it doesn't seem like as massive of a change. Unless, you know, the younger that you are, one year makes a whole lot of difference, right? Sometimes you look at photos. One of the popular things uh, the last uh, several weeks or so on Facebook has been the 10-year the challenge. Have you seen that? Maybe you've done some of that. So you, you post a, a photo from 10 years ago, and then you post a photo of today. Now, typically, the younger the person is that is posting, the more the change is shown. Have you seen that? And yet, sometimes, the older that we get, we look back, and 10 years doesn't seem like as big of a deal. There's still change. Life changes. You think about technology. You and I love music. Years ago, record players. How many of you had an album and a record player at home? Maybe you had it or your parents had it. So you had these, these big, uh, you know, larger than a, a big plate, circular albums. You had, had to put the little uh, needle on it, and it would spin around and around and play. Then that gave way to the eight-track Kind of like a, a big cartridge, like a, a monster cartridge for a video game. And you would almost plug that in and play. I, I remember growing up, uh, born in the 70s, kind of raised in the 80s, and, and mom and dad had one of these entertainment systems. I'm assuming it's from the 70s, and into the 80s, uh, the TV did not work. But on one side, there was the CD, uh, I almost said CD, <laughs> the album, and an 8-track player. And then underneath in the middle was the television, and there was something else on the left side. That, that TV, it quit working. So they, they loved that, that piece of equipment and that furniture, so they took the guts of the TV out, and we went looking for a TV that would basically fit the size of the hole. That was you know, when it was more of the, the square type of uh, televisions instead of the widescreen of today. So found a newer television, slid that in from the back, and so now it's a slightly newer TV and still has, yes, probably the radio, the album player, and the 8-track. Well, pretty soon, that gives way to what? Cassette tapes. And cassette tapes are a little smaller, and, and then you've got the Walkman, and you can put a cassette tape in the Walkman and take music with you anywhere. Of course, it takes a little while to make yourself a mixtape because you've got to play the song as long as you want to record the song. And then the tape gives way to the CDs. Oh, everything is digital. So if you want to jump to track seven or song seven, you just hit seven or you fast forward and hit arrow, arrow, arrow. But with the tape, you had to press fast forward and that tape would spin, 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 and you hope that that tape wouldn't break. So the record to the eight track, to the cassette tape, to the CD, Late 90s, early 2000s, the MP3, that digital, the, the MP3 player, and Apple with their iPod, iPod Shuffle, and iPod Nano, and all oh, this little thing that you could have thousands of songs in your pocket. Not just 10 in one cassette tape, you could have thousands in that. And now, too, today, when on our cell phones... At any given time, you can access a streaming service, Pandora, Spotify, 
Apple Music, Amazon Music, and you can type up any song from any artist from just about any year at any time and play it, whether you ever owned the record, 8-track, cassette, or CD. Things change. Everything tends to change. And yet Paul says, I'm pressing on. I'm going to take hold. I'm going to hold on to something that does not change. Hebrews 13, 8. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Jesus Christ never changes. Yes, technology changes. Yes, our music changes. Yes, how we access information changes. The internet and cell phones and tablets and streaming and services, Facebook Live, services online, things change. But Jesus Christ, he does not change. So as we're thinking about having purpose in today, purpose in our present, Paul says, in the present, remember to hold on to something, hold on to someone that's not going to change. Because there's, there's been no doubt a lot of things that have shifted in your life. Hairstyles. How many of you love looking at those old photos, hairstyles and clothing styles, right? Oh, 90s, a lot of big hair in the 90s. You know, 80s and 70s, a lot of, a lot of bell bottoms and stripes and plaids in the 70s. I mean, you, you begin looking back to the eras and to the decades, and, and you have a good chuckle, particularly if you're looking at your parents or your grandparents, or sometimes you're just looking at yourself. Things change. Now, yeah, sometimes we cling to that same hairdo forever. Or we cling to that favorite outfit or that favorite pair of pants or the, that favorite pair of shoes. It still fits. It might not be in style, but I like it and I wear it, whatever the case might be. We hold on to things. The encouragement is don't just hang on to the hairstyle. Don't just hang on to the clothing. Don't just hang on to this or that. Hold on to the unchangeable. Hold on to his unchangeable pattern. I'm, I'm not someone who sews, but I know you've got to have a pattern when you sew some of the uh, fabric for a material. Or maybe you're someone who likes uh, toy models, and, and you've got this, not a pattern, but you've got instructions on how to make this vehicle, or you're putting some Legos together to make a particular uh, item. There's a pattern. There's something that you follow. He's the unchangeable pattern. Pattern. He's our example in life. Hold on to him. First Peter 2.21 says, To this you were called because Christ suffered for you, leaving you an example that you should follow in his steps. We are to follow in the footsteps. He is the example, the pattern. Hold on to him. I mean, can you imagine if you're trying to use a pattern and you're trying to sew and make a dress or trying to sew and make some kind of an outfit and the pattern keeps changing every five minutes. You cut the first piece of material and you go and you look back at your pattern and you realize it's changed. So you, you, you get that, that piece of material out and you kind of stretch it out and you cut that next piece you go back to your instructions your your pattern and it's changed can you imagine if that changed every time 
you made a cut? Someone might be getting a little irritated or frustrated in trying to put a piece of clothing together. We want things, once you start that project, you want those instructions to stay the same. He says, Christ has left us the example. He's the pattern for you and I to follow. Hold on to the unchangeable pattern. Hold on to his unchangeable power. Philippians 4.13 says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I can't do things on my own. I don't have the strength. I don't have the power. I don't always have the resources needed to make it through life, but I can hold on to him. He's got the strength. He's got the power. Acts 1.8 talks about the power of the Holy Spirit, and you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. He's got the strength. He's got the power. Hold on to him for his unchangeable presence. Hebrews says, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. Jesus himself in Matthew 28, he says, lo, I am with you always. Say that again. Always. Say it louder. Always. He says, I'm with you always to the very end of the age. Doesn't matter what you might be going through. Doesn't matter what this past week or month or year has brought. He's with you, walking with you even in the midst of that difficulty that you're experiencing. Hold on to him, his unchangeable presence. That's Jesus. As we start this brand new year with some new year revolutions, the encouragement is don't live in the past, but have some purpose in your present. Paul encourages us. He challenges us. Examine our desires. Make sure you've got a relationship with God above all. A lot of great things we can have. A lot of great things you might seek. Maybe some goals. Maybe not resolutions. Apparently we're not making those here. But maybe you've got some goals for the year. Even above any goal or resolution you or I might have. Make sure that that relationship with God is first and foremost. Secondly, he challenges us to recognize those shortcomings. We've not accomplished everything. We've not achieved everything. Allow him to do the work to continue shaping and growing our life. And then finally, make sure to hold on to the unchangeable. It's Jesus. It is Jesus Christ. He's the pattern for us to follow. He offers his power. He offers his presence. <laughs>